Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the MBIT Podcast. I'm your host, Seamus Medan, and today we have a very special guest, Indus Kayitan, who is the CEO of Qualum, which is the best way to buy SaaS contracts, payments, and renewals. Indus has over two decades of experience in the technology industry and has previously held leadership positions at companies such as Oracle and McAfee. He grew up in a mining town where two to three homicides daily were a norm, and he was eventually able to escape the India coal mafia that plagued his life, and he left for America. He made the most out of this move and became a founder, a father, and a pilot. He now aims to help others make the same growth in their business and life. So first off, Indus, thank you for taking the time to join the show. Your story, it's super inspiring. I can't wait to dive into it, but it's a pleasure to have you on today. Hey, likewise. Happy afternoon. You know, Great having you having me here. Thank you for that. Definitely. So I think before we, you know, we dive into the company building or anything like that, I think we first have to start off. Your background, it's very unique. You grew up in a mining town, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, where homicides were a daily norm. So what was your childhood like? Yeah, childhood was very interesting. You know, after a certain point in time, you just become numb to the news. So yeah, like two, this is better than yesterday I was four. So you know, growing up in a mining town has own nuances of you have pollution, you have trucks, like big dump trucks, you know, carrying dirt, coal, sand, passing by your home, probably hundreds of them on a daily basis where I used to live. So there was a road connecting and then back and forth. They would carry sand and carry back coal because sand is filled when you ex- excavate out the coal. And uh, very different in terms of the life that we have in America. I, they, we, we complain about the necessities that we already have, but in India, it's like, yeah, you, you're fighting for water. You, you, water is rationed a few hours every day. Electricity, probably five to six hours every day. And of course, other layers of you know, crime and pollution and other issues. How did you end up becoming the Senior Director of Product Management at Oracle. And how did that environment play a role into where you are today? Yeah, so that was a long journey from where I was in India. So I did my undergrad from a school called Brill Institute, you know, was a computer science major. And that fed enough aspirations in my brain saying, oh, you got a computer science degree, you could do anything. You could write code, create a, create a product, find customers, you can become an entrepreneur. And that one layer to the other, before I joined Oracle, I started this company called Bitser Mobile. It was a security startup that Oracle acquired. And of course, before that, I moved to the United States, luckily California Bay Area in 1999, you know, just a few months before, or probably seven months before the whole dot-com implosion happened. So I saw it firsthand what happened. And of course, fast forward couple of startups and I joined Oracle, became an entrepreneur, can't complain about how the world has treated me. Yeah. And when did you uh, immigrate to the US? 1999. That was my first time coming here. And I briefly went back to India, came back again in 2013. And how old were you at the time? Ah, Good question. (laughs) I was 25 years old. Gotcha. So what was that experience like at just 25 years old in a brand new country, unfamiliar place with people you've never met before? It does scare me now, but did not, it did not scare <laughs> me at all, you know, back when I was 25. Because when I was 25, you're like, 
you know, fearless. You don't yeah. <laughs> give a damn about, you know, what the next person is thinking about you or what harm can he do or not do. So coming here, and plus there was a little bit of a, you know, tinkle in the eye moment because I was coming to San Francisco Bay Area, the Silicon Valley, the Mecca of technology. So that was the aspiration. But, you know, I felt that it, I would have like trouble kind of being in the ecosystem, getting by. But every day it felt like, oh, yeah, this is home. You know, there's no different than people I have met in my life earlier. The only nuance there is there's no family. You don't have friends. You don't have anybody to call upon. Hey, my first child was just born. You only have your apartment neighbors to celebrate with. So that's kind of a sad part, but, you know, loved every moment of my arrival here. Yeah. And what was your first job when you came over to the U.S.? And what advice would you give to any other immigrants who are coming over to start a career over to the U.S.? What advice would you give to them? I, I came here and I worked for a company that did advertising or very early days of ad tech, which is you have a product, you have a publisher. How do you match the product with the publisher? So I worked on some parts of the technology. There's a, there was a company called Trapezo. It doesn't exist anymore. Height of the dot com, it you know, imploded. That was my first job. I was a Java programmer. I used to write code day in and day out, you know, and uh, that was my first job. What advice I, I would give? I think you have to have that skill that people would use and people appreciate you for you bringing additional value on the table. And then, of course, beyond the skill, you as a human being, what kind of person are you? Are you relatable? Are you talkative? Are you introvert? And then that kind of brings your relationship that helps you build you know, a, a network of friends. I would say for tech entrepreneurs or anybody else immigrating to any other country, they have to bring their skills and their wisdom. That's it. You know, especially United States is very receptive to people who are coming from elsewhere. You know, they come in, they get agglomerated in the society, they add value to it, and voila, you do not feel like you are from anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. And as an immigrant in the U.S., especially as an immigrant founder, you mentioned you sold a company to Oracle. What were some of the challenges you faced in starting your own business? And then how did you overcome them? Yeah, the challenge with the immigrant founder is that you don't have a network. And especially in the startups early days, the two things that are needed in tech entrepreneurship or any, any business, you need money. You need money to bootstrap that business. You need money to grow the business. But if you're an immigrant entrepreneur, guess what you have? You probably have zero saving. You have no parents. You don't have a garage to go back to if you fail. So technically, you are taking a huge risk. and the thing to 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 be called out is is your family backing you for this journey and if that is done you know there's no no stopping so i think network is an issue getting buy into investors network where you could tap into pools of capital getting buy into customers network where you could acquire customers those are some of the hardest parts so anybody who is coming in even if they're not starting a business Try to build and widen your network as much as possible. That should be your goal number one. And that helps you get aggregated into a bigger society. 
Yeah, those are some great points. I know networking is a big thing that we talk about on the show all the time. You always got to be willing to network and meet new people. For me personally, I network a lot through the podcast, but for people who are just starting out networking, what advice would you give to them in how they can network with people? I think it's also very nuanced. So on one side, you want to build a wider collection of your or network that people you could talk to, go after. But at the same time, you want to build deeper relationships. And, and this is not very well understood. Let's say you go into a meeting and the meeting has 15 people there. Now, the immediate brain would say of a networker saying, oh, I got to collect business cards of all 15. Boom, I am network done. But my strategy is, doesn't matter who I connect. Let's say I connect to like five. Can I build deeper relationships with two or three from that room? Not necessarily, you know, collecting business cards from all 15. If you are lucky, you could. But, you know, spending five, 10, 15 minutes with each person, trying to know what who they are, where they come from, come from what networks they belong to, what school they have gone to. And then see if you could bump into that person online or offline. And those are the best ones to build a long-lasting relationship. Yeah, I agree. I think time with a person can definitely help strengthen your network. A lot of people will meet somebody for the first time for maybe 10, 15 minutes and say, oh, I now expanded my network. And then five, 10 years later, that person no longer is really in their network because they haven't talked in a long time and probably doesn't even remember them. So yeah, I, th- I do agree that spending time and just getting to know, even if it's not a high number of people, getting to know a few of them and just keeping them strong in your network. But now as we transition a little bit, your current company, Qualum, what is Qualum and what problem does it aim to solve? Qualum is a SaaS spend management startup. The simple problem is last five years, we have bought, our businesses have bought a lot of software, a lot of SaaS tools. And we come in and we help them rationalize the SaaS purchases. So if you bought hundreds of products you're not using, you do not know if they're duplicates, who's the authorizer, who are the pair. So we come in as a man in the middle and look at the flow of money, look at the flow of invoices, look at the flow of data or utilization. And we recommend, hey, you're not using 30% of your Zoom seat. You're not using Asana. You have Monday.com and Trello as duplicates and try to consolidate. And then the net result for us is save time and money. I currently lead business development for this startup called Valley. We're currently in stealth mode, but one of the things we've been trying to do over the past few months is try to manage our burn. We currently use this startup called Brex to to manage all of our capital. The biggest problem with them is you actually don't, with our credit cards, you actually don't know where that money's going. It's unclear, especially whether you bought a Zoom subscription or whether it was something else. It's pretty unclear where that's going. So I have to you know, manually go through our transactions. It actually takes quite a bit of time, put it on a spreadsheet, figure out what we need and don't need. So I think that is a pretty big issue that startups are solving. But what's probably the biggest way you're currently approaching customers and acquiring your customers? Yeah, we kind of use outbound. We go out to a specific persona, such as, so we sell to the CFO's office. We target companies that are 100 employees minimum to 500 on the upper side, because these companies typically have close to a million to 5 million in software spend. And for them, we become like a lifesaver. They don't have people. They don't have tools to manage these expenses. You know, if you go to Breck, so Brex is a great company. I'm also a Brex customer. We actually are releasing an integration with Brex where 
you could you know deep dive into those expenses what you're talking about and we bring those expenses together and then you can basically double click on it you know think about it like normally what happens when you see a statement say oh $500 paid on zoom imagine you could double click on that line item and say oh how many licenses how many zoom accounts who are the users what contracts what are the historical invoices so we bring all that intelligence together and this helps companies a lot of money and time as we transition here as we begin to wrap it up what advice do you have for founders who are looking to start a company during this day and age i think the number one is very simple do you have a prototype have you built a product if you build a product next step is can you talk to 20 people who are ready to pay money to your product that's it those are the only two things you need because then your foundation is set one thing would lead to other you will do marketing you raise some money and go and scale but product and customers if you could do those two bingo nothing else yeah i agree a lot of first time founders do focus a lot on product which is great but when i was talking to eric bond he mentioned that the second time founders really focus on that distribution component and i do think that is really important when building a company is you could spend 6 8 months building a product and then you realize you actually have no market you just burn through a whole bunch of capital i do agree with those points i think the product is important and so is that distribution all right everyone that wraps it up for today's episode if you enjoyed the podcast make sure to leave a five star review down below and Thank you very much, Indus, for taking the time to join the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.